You're listening to the Unfreak Parents Podcast, episode 067. Your scene to chat about life, family, and of course, Umphreys McGee. I'm Sarah Jaginiak, podcast host, writer, mom of three, wife, and total Umphreak. Are you prepared for what comes next? Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the show. I hope that you were able to check out last week's episode, which featured a recap of the band's shows at Greenfield Lake Amphitheater in Wilmington, North Carolina on August 18th, and at the Signal in Chattanooga, Tennessee on August 22nd. There is a link in the show notes where you can find that if you haven't given a listen. This week, we'll chat about the band's shows at Iroquois Amphitheater in Louisville, Kentucky on August 23rd. The Lawn at White River State Park in Indianapolis, Indiana on August 24th. And Frey's Pavilion in Ketterting, I believe that's how you say it, basically Dayton, Ohio, on August 25th. Before we dive into all of that, I'd like to tell you about my show sponsor, Swift Charge. Maybe you've heard of them or saw them at a music festival sometime this summer. I mentioned in my summer camp recap episode about how amazing it was to have their charger during the weekend. If you're not exactly sure what Swift Charge provides, you pre-order a charger and pick it up at the booth when you get to your festival. It suction cups right to the back of your phone and charges while you rage the show. The charger runs out of juice any point during the weekend. You just take it back to the booth and switch it out for a new fully recharged one. Unlimited charging the entire festival. And the charger is yours to keep when you go home. Just plug it in, recharge it at home, and take it anywhere with you. I throw mine in my purse and take it with me when I'm out with my kids, running errands, on a road trip. I take it when I'm at shows and I don't want my phone to die, whatever. I love everything about this. Swift Charge will be providing portable charging. Yes, this includes for your vape pen too, at live music festivals throughout the rest of the summer and into the fall. There is a link to their site in the show notes where you can see a complete list of where they will be. And especially for my listeners, if you use promo code Sarah, S-A-R-A, at checkout when you pre-order a charger, you'll receive 10% off. That's promo code Sarah, S-A-R-A, at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off. Also, I wanted to mention, if you're looking to get the word out about your shirts, pins, jewelry, prints, band that's going on tour, or small business that is looking to work with some like-minded folks, Um Freak Parents Podcast would love to help you get the word out. UPP is currently offering custom-made packages that will fit your specific needs and budget. Packages include ad time on the podcast, social media plugs, product reviews, and more. With hundreds of downloads per episode and about 50 new episodes a year, when you advertise on UPP, your ad will be heard by tons of fellow umfreaks, musicians, and other kind folks looking to purchase from you, work with you, and support their fellow umf family. Email umfreakparentspodcast at gmail.com if you're interested in chatting more. Some 
quick recent news that was announced I wanted to quickly share. Brendan and Jake will be providing the score plus a few familiar Umphreys McGee songs for the upcoming film Canyon Lands. The film with no release date yet is a horror film set in the beautiful southern Utah desert canyon wilderness. I will admit I am not a horror movie fan, um, but the premise of the movie certainly sounds interesting, and the idea of Brennan and Jake doing the music um, for this certainly intrigues me. There is a link in the show notes for the movie website and all of their social media links, um, so you can check all that out. And as more news becomes available about this film, I'll pass it along. So let's get to it. August 23rd, Umphreys played at the Iroquois Amphitheater in Louisville, Kentucky. My husband Bobby, my son Brendan, and I went on the eight-hour trek to our first visit to this venue and to the city. I want to give a huge, gigantic, ginormous shout-out and thank you to my amazing friends Ashley and Tim who were so kind to not only give a place to stay to my husband and I, um, but also our four-year-old. Um, Ashley was on the show. I interviewed her at summer camp. That's actually how we met. Um, and now we're friends, which is so awesome how that works out. Um, I will link her interview in the show notes. Um, it's very awesome because she brings up the after party um, that happened after the Louisville show in that interview. So it's very cool to, you know, hear the first announcement of that. Ashley was the most amazing hostess. She made a little bed for my son on the floor of their guest room and he freaking loved it. He actually slept really, really great on there too, which if you're a parent, you understand how important, um, those kind of things are. Um, and their pug, Samson, freaking adorable the best personality in the world like seriously he's just the coolest dog ever and him and my son were just instantly best friends at one point they're actually like on their chair in front of the window and they're both barking out the window at things that are going by I mean it was so awesome they had such a great time on top of being an amazing host, Ashley, as I mentioned, was also responsible for putting together the Marcus Rezac, Chris Myers, Joel Cummins after party at Gravely Brewing Company, which was an absolutely awesome time as well, by the way. And if you have a chance to check out a show at Gravely, I suggest that you do that. Um, a 500-person venue, the sound is fantastic. Really good beer um, from what I heard from that evening. Um, I don't drink, but I heard that the beer was really good. Um, I know Turquoise has played there. Twiddle has played there in the past. And I know that Aqueous is going to be playing there in the near future. Um, so if you're in the Louisville area or, you know, willing to travel to a show um, at Gravely, definitely um, check it out for sure. Um, I will link the brewery in the show notes so that you can check it out. The after party, like I said, was a really great time. I honestly don't have a whole set list. Um, I was chatting with a bunch of people that I was able to meet. Um, Chad, uh, shout out to Matt Small and his lovely wife. Matt is a listener who knows the show through Twitter. Um, it was so wonderful to finally cross paths with them and chat about family life and music and traveling and Umphreys and 
which is very, very awesome. Um, I do remember the Shakedown Street from the evening was just absolutely phenomenal. Seriously, the adventure they took that jam on was out of this world. They also played Jessica, which was absolutely amazing as well, and some new tunes from Marcus's uh, new album, which Chris and Joel are on. Um, I'll also link his album in the show notes and anything you know else from Marcus Rezac as well. Um, I do know that Marcus actually put a live stream of the show on his social media. Um, if I'm able to share the link for that, I'll put that in there, and then that way you can you know watch the whole show if you'd like. It was a pleasure to finally meet Marcus in person. Definitely looking forward to seeing more of his shows in the future and, you know, doing some different ticket giveaways with him on my social media. So definitely be on the lookout for that. And I was also able to chat with Joel for a minute after the show and have my book signed. So that was very awesome as well. Jeez, let's see. Who else? Uh, Matt Heller and Umphreys, thank you so much for the media pass and the permission to take photos during the first set up front and then wherever for the rest of the evening. That was such an awesome experience. Um, I'm not a professional photographer by any means, um, but since doing the show, I've been given the opportunity to take some photos different places. Um, and it's been an amazing opportunity. It's been a new thing that I'm learning how to do. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. And I will link um, any, you know, my photos in the show notes so you can check them out if you'd like to. Unbelievable how I forgot to mention this. No waffle on lights for these three shows we're talking about in this episode. In addition to the show talked about last week in Chattanooga, Tennessee, apparently he had some back issues. So Elliot Little, who was the former UM lighting crew chief, filled in for the show in Chattanooga and these three shows that we're talking about here. Um, as I was working on shows and all the stuff, um, prior to the Hampton Beach show in New Hampshire on August 29th, Waffle announced that he will not be returning at all to his gig as lighting director and that the Wilmington show on the 18th, which was also his birthday, was his last one. Um, he even mentioned in his tweet of how can you go wrong with Ocean Billy into release into Ocean Billy into Hollywood Nights as the way to go out. And uh, I firmly believe that that was definitely a really great way to go out if you're going to do it for sure. I am going to be completely honest with you guys. I was not and am not at all surprised by this announcement. Um, I actually mentioned my feelings to my husband and some close friends of mine prior to the Louisville show. I don't know what it was. I just had this feeling um, that Wilmington was going to be his last show. Um, I mean, mostly, come on, it was his birthday. I mean, if, if there's going to be a last day, if you can choose your last day, um, that's that's a good one. So... Not surprised to hear that he is not coming back. Um, I hope that everything that's going on with his back is something that he's able to heal from. I know that back issues are no joke. And I'm sure that years of bending over a console, you know, night after night and standing on your feet and traveling and all those things 
are just not easy on your body. And especially as you get older, it's just not what it used to be. Um, I also know he's getting married really soon as well. So lots of life changes coming up for him. Um, all of us at Umfreak Parents Podcast wish him the best in his next adventures and speedy recovery. Um, if you did not know, Waffle was a guest on the show earlier in the year. We talk about the Anchor Drops video series, Ocean Billy, seeing Umphreys on Jam Cruise before he was their lighting director, and when he auditioned for his job with Mo. It's a really great conversation. I'll link it in the show notes so that you can give it a listen if you haven't. Elliot Little will continue to fill in for the remainder of the year. The band released a statement saying that they are still looking for someone to fill the position permanently in 2020. I'm very excited to see who they wind up hiring. I know that they will totally make the right choice. I think that Elliot has been doing a really great job. It takes some serious guts to jump in with both feet and do this. Um, You know, especially if this was an unexpected thing, like, oh, one day it's like, okay, well, you're going to be doing the lights and you're like, oh, okay, cool. Um, So it definitely takes some balls to, to step in and do this. And then, you know, of course, he's in front of everybody. So it's not like you know, the first day of the job and you're just like sitting in a cubicle by yourself. So if you mess up, nobody sees he's doing his job in front of everybody. So I can only imagine the nervousness and everything that's coming with that. Um, But I've seen two shows um, and then we'll be going to Utica. So three shows since Waffle has said that he's done. Um, And I think Elliot Little is doing an awesome job. So Good for him for doing this, and as this story continues and Umphreys decides who will be lighting their shows in 2020, I'll be bringing all that information to you guys. Thank you again to everybody. I'm sure there are people that I forgot, and I'm so, so sorry, but I love you all, and I'm so grateful for everyone that is in my life as a result of this band, and I'm still just completely floored and blown away by the generosity of my friends and just the love that we receive in this community is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. So let's finally get to the show. Umphreys has played at Iroquois Amphitheater a total of seven times, including this most recent show. Beginning in 2011 on June 24th, playing every year except 2013 and 2017, the show opened with Cat Shot, followed by Speak Up, with number five coming out next, sinking in slightly before four minutes, dancing way out, mechanically building back into the song a little before eight and a half. Stinko's Ascension would follow, beginning to really find its comfortable groove about three minutes, keeping this as a standalone version and sinking into the second half of the song about four minutes later. Bad Poker next, with a little Sweet Home Alabama by Leonard Skinnerd Jam in the middle, taking an interesting and completely different route about six minutes when it decides to head off into space for a little bit, getting a little more ground level a few minutes later, sort of fading out at the end, perking up right into the bottom half, digging its heels into the jam slightly before three and a half, opening into one of my favorite jams from the evening, 
really spreading its wings and fully embracing this uplifting jam, setting its sights back on the bottom half a few minutes later, and then smell the mitten to close out the first set. And that smell the mitten was quite nasty. Definitely give that one a listen. Set two opens with similar skin, wandering out into its adventure about four minutes in, expanding real wide and getting a bouncy vibe to it as it continues on, sliding right back into similar skin about six minutes later. It doesn't matter. Next, another highlight from the evening, I felt definitely a nod to what was going on with the lights and Waffle not being there. Still going out and getting it done regardless of what happens because, as Bayless says, it doesn't matter. Beginning to sort out its way slightly before five and a half in, breaking through a few minutes later and revealing a hopeful and uplifting jam, schizophrenically changing moods about 10 minutes, getting tipsy and uneven as it revs up, gets a little extreme 60s surfer Batman vibe for a minute. Very interesting there. Definitely give that a listen. Stumbling back around for a minute before finding its footing and going back into It Doesn't Matter. Definitely listen to that. It Doesn't Matter all the way through. Very good. A very nasty Ringo coming out next and another highlight from the evening. For sure, there's no doubt how hot this Ringo is particularly the beginning part of it, starting with a fake-out of the Pink Floyd tune, Shine on You Crazy Diamond, instead going into the aforementioned Ringo, beginning its dive in slightly after two minutes, really venturing out before slamming back into Ringo four minutes later, and then dancing right back out again, coming down, gently building together, getting some confidence to itself as it continues to slink along and grow, leaving Ringo in the rearview mirror with Joel leading the way, dancing into Miami Virtue, getting some serious thickness to the jam about nine minutes as it swells. Really love the way that they carry that one out. Ten Years Gone by Led Zeppelin coming out next covered a total of six times, including this time here, played two other times this year at Red Rocks on night three, June 23rd, and also at the Ryman on March 30th. The fuzz and the conclusion of Ringo to close out the second set, and an encore of The Silent Type to end the evening in Louisville. Okay, August 24th, the band played at the Lawn at White River State Park in Indianapolis, Indiana. They have played this stage nine times over the years. Bayless even mentions during the evening how much they enjoy playing there. The first time was back in 2005 on July 10th. They have played every year since except for 2007, 2009, 2014, 2015, and 2016. Last year, this awesome and very family-friendly venue was the scene of Bayless's birthday party. My husband, myself, and Brendan were at that show, and it was so much fun last year. There is a recap episode of that show. I will link it in the show notes if you'd like to listen to it. 
This evening at White River was such a beautiful night. The weather was gorgeous. And again, getting to see friends, some we had seen the night before in Louisville, some that were only doing this show. Everyone that was around us that evening was so kind to Brendan and everyone loved watching him rage the show. There was actually a couple behind us that was leaving um, kind of mid-second set and saw Brendan was kind of feeling a little bit cold. So they gave us their blanket that the wife was using during the night. Like, it was a really nice fuzzy blanket, too. And I'm like, oh, no, keep it, you know, so he has it and everything. So, so sweet. And as I mentioned, such a family-friendly venue. If you have not taken your kids there, um... To see Umphreys, it's really a great uh, venue to be able to go and take your kids. The evening would start with Lublitz, but really getting the party started with Robot World next, really sinking in about three minutes, fully embracing a very 80s dance party as it just continues to dance on, catching its breath a few minutes later, but getting right back up and dancing back in only for a little bit, kind of feeling tipsy and interestingly just kind of coming to an end there. I, I felt it was very interesting the way that they just kind of ended that. <clears throat> Seasons next, followed by Liquid, not seen um, since the Canopy Club show last year on August 18th. That version from last year was actually one that I voted for for my 2018 Hall of Fame ballot. If you haven't listened to that version, check it out. October 18th, 2018, Liquid. Definitely listen to it. Utopian Fur with Rumble by Link Ray Tease. I had no idea who this guy was. Um, the song sounded super familiar to me. Um... I believe it is in a Tarantino movie, Pulp Fiction, perhaps. Um, I did do a Google search on this guy. Um, he is a rock and roll gu guitarist born in 1929 in North Carolina. He passed away at the age of 70 in 2005. This song of his, Rumble, was a hit in 1958. Reading more about him, he lived an interesting life. I've mentioned this before. I love how Umphreys exposes me, even after 70-plus shows, to artists that I've never heard of. Like I said, it this song has been in a Tarantino movie. So when I heard it, I recognized it, um, but I did not know anything about the artist. So it's very awesome to have that. And it's one of my things that I love about Umphreys is what, what new things that they expose you to um, in, in a show. Um, I'll link the original song in the show notes so you can listen to it as soon as it starts, you know, um, that that's what they threw in that utopian. Also, I'll throw some links to basic information I found about the artist in the show notes as well. Um, so you can dig into all that if you're interested. Back to this utopian, it comes back in for a minute after that tease, adventuring back out about three and a half, allowing itself to really roam for quite some time before confidently heading back into Utopian about eight minutes or so later. Well-wishers next with Nick Gerlach on saxophone. Soul Food 1 and 2 coming out next. Not seeing the two of them coming out together like this since August 17th, 2017 at Sloth Furnaces in Birmingham, Alabama. 
stumbling and tumbling into plunger to round out the first set. Chris leading us off on our adventure a little before three and a half. I've brought it up recently. If you are a regular listener, you know um, my feelings about plunger this year. This one, while still an awesome adventure, I felt it did not have the balls and depth that the others from the year um, had. Um, still, obviously, still a great tune. Um, it just didn't have the the oomph, <laughs> which is kind of funny to say, um, that the other versions had. The other versions that I felt from the year that were, you know, really hot, Kettle House Amphitheater on August 4th, The Ryman on March 29th, and the Brooklyn one on February 15th, as I said, were ones that I felt were in the running for Plunger of the Year. Set two would open with a Bad Friday. The set list originally had Dark Brush to open, but was scratched out and they went with Bad Friday instead. While I enjoyed Dark Brush, Bad Friday was a better second set opener choice for the evening, I felt. Really dancing in slightly before four and a half. My son and my friend Ashley, who I mentioned earlier in the show, were getting down so hard to this jam. It was so fun to watch them. You know, she would do like a move with her hand, like a dance move and stuff. And then he would like copy it and she would do it. And it was just such an awesome thing to see my friends interacting with my kids that way too. It was so awesome. And he raged the entire show too. He fell asleep right around bad poker in Louisville, but it was a travel day too. So completely understandable, but he stayed up for the entire show in Indy. He kept telling me that he didn't want to miss it. He would be like, did I miss anything? Did I miss anything? And I'm like, no, dude, you're, you're here. You're watching all of it. And of course, all my friends, you know, would keep coming over and say, Hey, or whatever. So he didn't want to miss anybody, he didn't want to miss any music, and hugging all of my friends like he sees them every single solitary day. Like It was just such an awesome thing to have him you know, fully immersed in all of this and just feeling all that love too. And he reached his 14th show in Indy, so that's pretty cool for only being five not even five. He'll be five in January. Um, he's had 14 shows. Two of those are after he was born. Two were when he was in my belly. But we still count them. So 14 shows. Not bad for a little kid. Um, anyway, a cover of Have a Cigar by Pink Floyd with Kanika Moore um, from Doom Flamingo on vocals. Next, her and the rest of Doom Flamingo did a late night show after each one of these shows mentioned here, in addition to the Chattanooga show talked about last week. I don't know how Ryan does that, man. That's That's got to be hard, raging that Humphrey show and then doing the late night. That's I would be so tired. <laughs> um, every single time I've listened to this Have a Cigar cover, I, it just instantly goosebumps. Seriously. I've mentioned before how much I love Kanika, how much I fangirl over her. Her stage presence is amazing. She is magnificent. She, you know, her outfits and the way that she sings, in addition to the fact that she's a mom, which is fucking awesome as well. Um, yeah, I just, I just love Kanika. 
Have a Cigar, Umphreys has covered this one only two times. Debuted earlier in the summer on June 21st, the first night of the recent Red Rocks run. I'm glad we got Have a Cigar here um, because we missed night one of the Red Rocks run. My brother-in-law was getting married, so we missed the first night of it and missed this cover. So I'm glad we were able to get another one. The Triple Wide next, dancing into the jam slightly before three and a half, not staying with that energy for a really long time, but persisting, getting more aggressive and momentum to it, building with determination back into the Triple Wide. Jajunk next, taking off in a sort of haphazard direction at first, remembering its determination a few minutes later, sinking into a very sensual jam and then letting it come all the way down very, very briefly before popping back up full of energy into Junk Part 2. Uncommon next, followed by a 2 by 2 sandwich that I felt was a huge highlight from the evening. Although in its entirety, it's not a massive thing. But the feelings and the emotions that I felt, and I know others did during this, is what made it a highlight in my eyes. Two by two, floating right into final word. I will admit, I was holding my son during this point of the evening. Um, you know, we're dancing and I'm singing the lyrics to him and just being in that moment and kind of reflecting on everything from the weekend and the people and all of it. It was just such a beautiful thing. I mean, it really was. And, you know, if you lis are listening to the show and you listen to the show regularly, you're obviously an um freak. Um, so you understand the community and the love and all of that within this, within this. And, you know, to, as I said, just a little bit ago, to have my son be a part of that and fully embrace it and understand it and love it not only is exciting for me because it's something I love and, and this is such a big piece of who I am, but also seeing that kindness from him and seeing that, you know, the next generation, even if he doesn't decide to pursue a career in music or follow a band around or whatever, he still is getting the lessons in life about giving and loving your fellow human and sharing and all of those things. And that is so valuable to me is, is him learning those lessons in real life situations and seeing that how generous and loving humans really can be. Because unfortunately, nowadays, we don't see a lot of those examples anywhere, unfortunately. So for him to have those examples by other people, you know, not just his parents, um, is, is just really a beautiful thing. And I'm so grateful that everyone has been so welcoming to him and my other children. And, you know, we didn't take my two oldest to Louisville with us, but Ashley was more than prepared to have all of us there. Um, and that's just, it's just an amazing, amazing thing. Um, that we'll get back to the show now. Final word seen only one other time this year, March 18th, 2019 in Eugene, Oregon at McDonald Theater, completely ripping it open and stomping back into two by two and a standalone bridgeless would come out next to close out the second set. 
an encore as if the weekend could not get any better. A cover of the Wings tune, Band on the Run. And if you're a friend of mine or have been listening to this show um, since January, the beginning of the year, um, you know the importance of this song to me and my life. Um, trying not to get misty-eyed here because I was already feeling so much love from everybody from the weekend, as I just mentioned. Um, so to have this song come out as the encore to finish the evening was just like, yeah. <laughs> this song, Band on the Run, um, is important to me. Briefly, I'll, I'll tell you, my dad taught me a shit ton about music and this song was super important to us. Um, my passion, my love for music is because of my father. Um, unfortunately he passed away in 2006, right before I really got into Umphreys. So unfortunately, uh, we were not able to dive into Umphreys together, but all of the music that I listened to as a child, all of the things that he exposed me to and wanted me to learn about, um, we're in direct uh, alignment with where I am in my life now. So it all really, uh, it all really makes sense. Um, last year during the Tabby Run, uh, night two was my 50th show. And my husband asked me if I was going to ask for some sort of a request or something from the band. And I decided that I wasn't going to just kind of let, let them play and, and be happy with what they played. Well, they busted out Band on the Run at my 50th show. And it was a bust out because prior to the one at the Tabby, it had not been played since February 20th, 2011. 781 fucking shows. So what are the fucking odds of that? Like, seriously, I was a wreck. I was bawling my eyes out, just shaking. Like, I couldn't even believe that this was happening. And I actually have a set list from that night. Thank you, Sam. Such an awesome dude. Seriously, he got it for me and had it signed and it's framed and it hangs right by my desk, and I look at it every day. Every time I'm working on podcast episodes and stuff, I see it, and it's just, I can't even believe. So fast forward to present day. As I've mentioned over and over again, we have this absolutely amazing weekend. My friend Phil and his wife had just found us during set break, and we're talking, you know, whatever, and they go into this, and he just looks at me, and he goes, perfect timing, and then my friend Ashley and Tim come over. I had just told this story to Tim the night before as we're driving to the after party at Gravely. And he's telling a story, you know, about a song and whatever. And then I shared my story about Band on the Run. And they fucking played it the next day. He comes over. He's like, we were just talking about this. I'm like, oh, my God, it's so crazy. It's like everybody's hugging and all this. It was just, it was so awesome. After the show, I checked my phone and there were messages from so many friends. Just like, hell yeah, you got your band on the run again. And it's just like, as if I wasn't already feeling all this amazing love from all these people, having everybody come over and run over and be super excited about this song with me and having all my friends send messages and do all this stuff. It was just absolutely amazing. Just out of this world. So fucking beautiful. It's as if I couldn't love this band and these people and my family anymore. 
I do. <laughs> like, I say that every single time we leave a run of shows, too. It's like, I don't understand how it's possible to love this community and this band and these people in my life even more. But every single time we come home from a show, it happens. Like, it's an amazing, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. So fucking grateful for this band, for these people in my life, for you listeners. Like, it's just all such an amazing, beautiful, beautiful thing. Band on the Run, as I mentioned, was recently played during the Tabby Run on December 29th and has only been played 33 times total. Finally, that brings us to August 25th. The band played at the Phrase Pavilion in Kettering, Ohio, outside of Dayton. The band has played on the stage two times, including this show here. The first time they played here was on June 28th, 2014. We sadly were unable to attend this show on the run. My husband had to work the next day, Monday, um, and the show was like six hours from Buffalo, so it just was not very feasible for us to make that show. However, with it only being less than two hours away from Indy, if this run of shows with like Louisville, Indy, Dayton, if it comes up again, we are going to make a point to plan it out and hit all of them up. Um, Louisville to Indy is like two hours, and then, like I said, Indy to Dayton is less than two hours. So it's definitely a awesome little run to look into um, if you haven't hit up those venues or those cities. Um, if you know they kind of do that triangle again next year, I suggest you look into it because it's definitely very doable. This evening would begin with gents not being seen to start a show since this past New Year's Eve at the Tabby, moving right into 40s with Anchor Drops dancing out next, followed by Spires going round and round about the four-minute mark as it continues to gain momentum, going back into the lyrics of Spires, then decides that it would like to stay out past its bedtime and adventure out a little further at first keeping itself safe as it continues on, getting a little bit more confidence to it, putting the brakes on it really hard at one point a few minutes later, but picking right back up and dancing along, sort of twinkling out at the end and transforming into Blue Echo. Blue Echo starting to sink in slightly before three and a half, really expanding and opening fully about four minutes later, dropping back down to earth and breaking through with an illuminated, hopeful feeling and revealing booth love, confidently marching right into its jam slightly before seven minutes, Joel giving us this 80s dance club vibe underneath it, turning the corner and beautifully falling into the Joel tune Orfeo. This tune is, I think honestly becoming like my favorite Umphrey song whenever I need to like get through some shit that's going on in my life I love to turn this song on and go for a drive and roll the windows down and just go 
And it's just one of those songs that fills me with confidence and reassurance. And it's just such a great tune. And if you've seen Real to Real, it's such a perfect tune to open that movie. I love how they put it right in the beginning of that documentary. Just love that song so much. And the set would close with Rocker Part 2. Set to opening with Hurt Birdbath, aggressively and intensively swelling into this monster about eight minutes in, moving seamlessly back into Hurt Birdbath a couple of minutes later. Much obliged next, getting all sticky in the jam slightly after three minutes. Stasic laying that thick, syrupy sounding bass underneath at as the others just build piece by piece together, cooling down for a second, but moving it back into that thick jam from just a little earlier, lifting off slightly after nine minutes, beginning its journey toward the sky, but tumbling back down to earth rather quickly, a little distorted as it begins to space out, Joel building all this energy and intensity to smash right into Miss Tinkle's, getting deep into it slightly before three and a half. A very sexiness to this jam for the first few minutes. At nine minutes, it matter-of-factly makes its way back into Tinkles, bursting full open only a few seconds later. Intentions clear coming out next. And I want to ask the listeners, um, if you were at this show, right before they go into Intentions Clear, he's talking about some folks in the crowd dancing, and then Jake rips into this surfer tune. So for anybody that was at that show that's listening, I want to know what the crowd was doing. I, I love when Bayless calls out people in the crowd. Um, so please, I would love to know what that group of people were doing. So if you know, and you're listening, please email the show. Um, freakparentspodcast at gmail.com and let me know because I love to know that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, anyway, this intention's clear. Digging into the jam about five minutes and venturing off and embracing a jazz club vibe toward the end right before it stomps into attachments, a standalone version of that one. No expansion at the end. A cover of the Tyler Childers song, White House Road, next. This one debuted earlier in the year at the Ryman on March 30th. Also played one other time at summer camp earlier in the summer during the Sunday afternoon set. Ellie Krall came out to play the violin and Arlo McKinley sang. And the second set would close with Cemetery Walk. And encore for the evening would be just one tune, Cemetery Walk 2. And I think... I may be wrong, so if I'm wrong, email the show and please correct me. But I think that this is the first time that they have ended the second set with Cemetery Walk and went on to play Cemetery Walk 2 in the encore, taking everyone on one more adventure for the evening. And like I said, if I'm incorrect about that stat, please email the show and let me know. Like I said, I love, you know, knowing the correct facts, so don't hesitate to email me and give me the true facts. And as I mentioned, that Cemetery Walk 2 would close out the evening in Dayton. So that's all I have for this week's episode of the show. 
anything referenced this week, including the set list for the shows discussed, as well as where you can listen to them, can be found in the show notes. If you have any questions or comments about anything talked about in this show or any other episode, please feel free to reach out. I love hearing from you guys, so please don't hesitate to contact the show. How you can do that is in the show notes as well. And thank you again so much for joining me. I'll see you around these parts next week. Much obliged.